Okay, so um, uh, let's just start it off. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to start, but I'd be happy to. Damn, why don't you why don't you just start us off? Boy, well, my number five movie is The Edge of Seventeen. Damn, knew Dan was gonna go straight for a Haley film. (laughs) Uh, Have either of you seen it? Yep. Oh, you have? No, no, I have not. Sorry, no. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. No, okay. Well, add that to your recommendations, your Dan recommendations list. Uh, okay, well, I'll pitch it to you then, because <laughs> I can't really... And, and again, I think we're doing, like... I'll, I'll try not to spoil it. Not that it's a, a spoiler-ish movie, but... Yeah. In any case, so, you know, this movie, you, you probably know something about it. It stars um, uh, uh, Haley Seinfeld, and um, it's directed by um, Kelly Freeman Craig... Um, who I like must be a, a newcomer because I'd never heard of her before. Anyway, it's a it's a coming of age film, you know, sort of like Breakfast Club ish, um, where it's you know kids in high school and they're learning to uh, deal with uh, you know all this drama and uh, you know additional responsibilities and relationships and all that kind of stuff, um, which isn't normally like my my thing at all. Um, which is, I think, partly why I was uh, so like suckered in by it because I was I was not expecting to uh, to fall for its charm. But like mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, the why it works so well is because of Haley Steinfeld's performance. Like she is d- does the best job of conveying vulnerability because uh, she's she's like a naturally prickly person. But like she's able to, you know, through mannerisms and reactions and, and stuff, like convey this like f- sort of floundering uh, self where she's just like unsure of what she should be doing and if she's like behind everyone else and if she's, uh, uh, you know, if she fits in, who she fits in with and like, all this sort of relationship stuff. So, like, her ability to communicate that kind of... Um, it, it's, like, I, I felt a lot for her, and not just because, you know, I've been through... Well, like, everyone pretty much has been through uh, similar stuff growing up, um, but just because she's, like, uh, communicates pathos and empathy, um, you know, so well through, through her performance. Um, and she is... So it's kind of about her relationships with her mother, her brother, her best friend, this teacher, and then this um, uh, kid that she's sort of interested in and and wanting to date. So it's all about her sort of uh, being a huge uh, pain for them to deal with. Uh, Like, she's not very... uh, She's not a very likable person. She's very selfish and just self-centered and and everything. And so, like, again, her ability to to make you feel for her in the midst of being, like, a a not very good person is is pretty great. Uh, But, like, her relationship with uh, her teacher, um, 
who's played by Woody Harrelson, is pretty great because he's also he has that kind of the same kind of sarcastic like acerbic humor um, that that she does, and so they can kind of like check each other and uh, like they they tend to uh, you know serve as a foil for each other or like a mirror that that one and the other can look into and uh, and see like the things that are not so great about them, themselves. Um, but, like, being a coming-of-age movie, it's very, uh, it, it's very wrapped up in, like, this idea of figuring out who you are, which, again, doesn't sound like something super interesting, or something that's normally very well done, but, uh, like, there, there's some, like, really meaningful growth and stuff that, that the characters undergo, and some, like, really affecting lessons that they learn, um, so ultimately, I think why it works so well as opposed to like the more run-of-the-mill uh, movies you see about this is because it's like remarkably fair to all its characters. Um, mm. Like it, it, it takes her perspective, which again is she's not always like a very great person, but uh, and and so like when you're first approached. When you first see people, you still see them through her eyes, but then they like gain dimensions um, as as the movie goes on, and you realize like it's part of her coming out of this shell and being less self centered. As you realize like all these other people have to deal with her, and they have their own problems and stuff, and she's not the center of the world. So that lesson, which sounds trite and stuff, is like it's it's really affecting, and uh, and so yeah, it's very fair to his characters. I. I loved it. It was very funny. Like, it had a really uh, smart and uh, kind of touching sense of humor. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't recommend it more. Damn, dude. Well, if you could, it'd be your number one. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Um, it's interesting to hear you talk about sort of her evolution and sort of like learning to accept other people. Um, I just saw a movie last night called The Incredible Jessica James. You will all be able to watch it on Netflix because it's a Netflix original. Um, but <clears throat> it was an okay movie. Um, I think I gave it like a seven or something. But um, my friend and I were talking about it, and we were trying to figure out like what the central message of it was. And, and she was trying to say that if if there was one, it would be that you know you have to learn to accept other people for who they are, and that that was her sort of evolution. It was hard to point at how that actually got formed in the movie, mm-hmm. um, so I'd be very interested to see how um, how they do it in, in the Edge of Seventeen. If you if you think that that is sort of the yeah, the I mean I can't obviously compare it to to that movie, but I think. If the movie had not had that at its core, like this, this, like honest look at growing up, then it would have like been the kind of self-centered thing that it was, you know, decrying. Um, mm. But ultimately, like it's not just wrapped up in like the the kind of high school drama that that we all share. It's like it's it's pointed and it's and it's poignant as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna have to add it to my list, man. I'm sorry. Sorry we didn't all get the chance to see see that one. It's okay, I'm glad I was able to uh toss a recommendation that good your way. Steve, didn't you It was see- a very, very high recommendation from you, Dan. Oh yeah. Like uh I was surprised uh 
was very pleasantly surprised by it. Steve, didn't you say that that one um, like video game director saw it and, and said, I, I remember you posted something oh, in chat. Right yeah, <laughs> and he was like, like it's it was great how uh, affecting it was to be able to like empathize with this like seventeen year old brat or something like yeah. that. Ernest with like his movie, like how he recommends movies. He was like, "Wow, Edge of Seventeen. There's not an anti-racist filter on, on <laughs> Skype. I can't. All right. Cool. Uh, Steve lived in Korea for three years. It's yep. fine. Just, just so we're clear. I lived uh, there for eight years. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's my that's my number five. I don't know if any more needs to be said. Thank you. Thank you. Nailed it, man. All right. All right, dude. My oh, we're start we're starting at ten. Yeah, let's see what I got. <laughs> Steve, you don't get twice as many movies as us. Oh, we're doing top five. Oh, never mind. My bad. <laughs> this greedy motherfucker, dude. That made is my number five, dude. Wait, what? Steve, just do two movies for each entry. Just just double up. Boom, Handmaiden and Sing Street it is. <laughs> no, you can now have only one. thematically <laughs> tell us why you combined them. Oh my god, dude, I can't do this shit right now. <laughs> just for our listeners, Steve stayed up all night watching Basic Instinct, so... <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think we know where his his head is at right now. <laughs> you know why The Handmaiden's good? It's like one of the most confidently made fucking movies I've ever seen. Tarzan Wook is just sitting behind the camera, like swinging his dick, <laughs> and then a masterpiece. Done. I mean, I remember I- that shot all too well. <laughs> Not something I'll soon forget. Um, ironically, or not, I don't know. I uh, my my number five movie. I also don't want to talk about in extreme depth, um, partially because I think it's been talked about to death at this point. This is like a pretty contentious Oscar season. But my number five wait, movie wait, wait, is La wait. La Land. We're just skipping over Steve's. Steve said he was done. Dude, I'm well, good, man. You guys saw the. <laughs> Well, I want to. I, I just wanted to like say something about it. Sorry to take the wind out of your sails, Keith. <laughs> no, I know we had a big bar fight about it, but like it's it's great. It's a great movie. I mean, like I I, I didn't like it nearly as much as as you did, Steve. Though I I appreciated it, a, a lot of stuff that it did do. <laughs> Keith, again, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, I, like. I I don't necessarily respond, or, or I don't get the same um, enjoyment maybe out of uh, like pushing limits and like going places where where yeah. other directors haven't plumbed before. Not that that's not you know interesting, but like it seemed maybe excessive. Can I can I say that? <laughs> Nah. Nah, you can't. <laughs> I, I mean, so um, what did that film... Let me just ask you, what did that film mean to you, like, besides being, like... Uh, like, obviously, we enjoyed it. We went there and we, like, had a good time. 
had some mm-hmm. thrills and stuff, but like, did it mean anything beyond that to you? So I think we've had like partly this discussion before. I don't care if the meaning, like I, I have room for like style and substance and sometimes they overlap and sometimes they're like mutually exclusive. So was there like a deep heartfelt meaning that I had at the end of it? I think I like the arc of like the, uh, the male character more than anything like that. Like the, the kind of like the con man guy. I think I liked his story. Yeah. Maybe the most. As for like meaning that I got out of it, like I don't really care. Like it was it was amazing. I mean that's that's fair. I just I just wanted to check. It is like kind of impressive. I mean I don't at least for me, it is kind of impressive like that that movie is about so little but so cool and great and like (laughs) the storytelling is so solid. Um but like trying to draw meaning out of it is pretty difficult. Like, I think we talked about this before, but, like, you could make the argument about, like, I don't know, uh, smashing the patriarchy or something, but, like, yeah. it is a pretty, it's pretty weak. Um, but it's, like, actually really impressive how, how difficult it is to pull something out of that movie, despite, like, all of its excellence in other but, but is that fine though? Is it, aren't we just like sort of prescribing like a movie needs to have this level of dimensionality, otherwise it's just not a good movie? No, well, I'm, talked about- I'm not saying that. But I, I think it was interesting. Or, sorry, Keith. <laughs> I would straight up. Dan just keeps cucking me. Uh, <laughs> I would say Keith, if you could, if you could just give me a second. <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say here, Dan, is um, no. I, I just I think that. Like, all of these elements are great, but the fact that it does lack this uh, other dimension uh, does sort of limit it in, like, my overall rating, um, which is why I think it stays at, like, an 8. Okay. I I thought it was interesting that before the screening, Park Chan-wook, like, you know, was giving his speech, and, and he was talking about, like, oh, there's this history between Japan and Korea, and, like, it's a very painful history, and... I I think it's kind of weird because that doesn't seem to... Like, I was expecting then when watching the movie that it would, like, explore all this, like, colonialism and, like, repression of culture and, and that kind of thing. And it touches on them, but it doesn't, like... It, it, it doesn't really delve into them much. Um, but now I'm, now I'm thinking um, that he kind of explores it almost like Quentin Tarantino does, which is, like take this horrible thing like the Holocaust or slavery and then, like, make a crazy, like, action thriller out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of, like, uh, maybe a different process of, of dealing with something sensitive. Uh, so, you know, all's fair. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's the thing for me. It's a stylistic choice. It's like, if I... Why can't I choose to tell a story in that period that, you know, actually is funny and doesn't delve, like, it doesn't dive, like, a thousand feet into it. Yeah. Perfectly fine with that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, totally agree that, like, there's so much excellence in that film, and it is so solid and impressive and cool and smart and inventive. And the um, sophomore porn ending was just, like, <laughs> it just Very erotic. It, for a film to like satisfy me in in all of you know those dimensions, for it to just be lacking one, 
I just, you know, it's hard for me to give it a 10 or something. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I'm happy to, like, champion it as, like, all of these other things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I gave it. remember it for all of those things. Yeah. Alright, next. Um, well, I guess we can talk about La La Land now, <laughs> even though Dan cucked it for the, <laughs> for the second time in history. It got cucked at the Oscars. I haven't even seen it. It's garbage. <laughs> Moonlight is better. I haven't seen that either. <laughs> Man, Steve's top five is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It actually kind of is, yeah. Steve, I swear there, to God. There's a pretty clear theme with my top five. If X-Men Apocalypse is at the top, <laughs> I don't think we can talk. Everything <laughs> they do will burn. <laughs> wow. G- great, great. <laughs> great Oscar Isaac right there. <laughs> is is Apocalypse here now? Is he on the call? Okay. Did you join us? She was like at look for apocalypse. Like that's what I want to know. <laughs> like I look back at the comics and the cartoon, I'm like, yo, Apocalypse is like Bane except way more badass. Yeah, he is. And they're he just like, he, he looks uh, like a California raisin that somebody smushed into an action figure shape. <laughs> he just looks like a rejected Smurf toy or something. Like <laughs> Um, anyway, is La La Land sure is a movie that I enjoyed, but, uh, I actually don't really feel like I want to talk about too much. Um, I'll just say, uh, you know, I really enjoyed, um, you know, the theatricality of it and seeing, you know, great colors, great, you know, set pieces, great costumes. Um, yeah, it's, it's about, um, you know, it's about following your dreams and, I loved um, the whimsy that it that it sort of shoots for, and and it reached for you know a lot of beautiful shots and some really ethereal stuff, and it it comes really close to to hitting all of those marks. I think it falls short ultimately on almost every single um, endeavor. It just falls short a little bit, um, except for the end, which is really phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you know, it sags a bit in the middle. There's, like, a very pivotal scene in it. I will not spoil for you, Steve, but very pivotal scene mm-hmm. that, uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not great. It's pretty limp. Um, like, it's shot pretty limp. The whole argument is kind of limp. It's just, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And also, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, not the greatest dancers. And it's a musical, um, and Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, not the greatest singers <laughs> either. And it's a musical. So, but yeah, that, uh, I think if anything, the ending is really, really stellar, um, and worth the price of admission. Okay. Awesome. It, it does like summon some of that like old fashioned Hollywood magic, which like people derided it for as it was making its Oscars campaign. Um, yeah, right. But it's not like, like f- for real. You you can't help but be kind of charmed by that. Uh, it's <clears throat> you know it it like I f- I fell a little bit you know under its spell and and I had a really good time watching it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it's got a terrific soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. I think it unfairly gets dinged by cultural. 
um, the cult, larger cultural conversation, I think. Like, it mm-hmm. sort of got <clears throat> skewered for being a lot of the things that it, I don't think, was its intention. <laughs> it sort of got pushed under the bus. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah. We don't have to talk too much about that conversation. I'm really not interested in it. I think it's silly. Yeah, no. I, I mean, it, it happens with, you know, any movie that... <laughs> like is of that kind of old Hollywood um, you know Oscar baiting kind of yeah uh, type alright La La Land cool Dan you want to do your next yeah um, my next movie was uh, Patterson oh boy Dan if Silence ends up being your number one I don't think I can talk to you anymore either <laughs> yeah we already had a two-hour conversation, which I was just listening to. Uh, but, no, uh, Patterson um, was my favorite movie out of TIFF. Um, it, not that there weren't some, some other really good ones there, but like I think it stood out for me because it felt off-kilter and, and kind of eccentric when surrounded by all the other movies that we saw. Um, like, what did, uh, what did the, the director, uh, make the point about, he was like, like, I've, I've seen so many movies here that are about, that have, like, abused women in it, and I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair, and, and so I think this felt, like, really refreshing in that context, but beyond, um, like, the context that it was presented in. Um, like it, it sort of spoke to me in that it, it's all about like rhythm and routine, um, and, uh, how those like form the bulk of your, of your, uh, life, uh, a lot of times. And like, I know that, you know, in my life going to my like nine to five job and stuff, like I encounter a lot of that, that same stuff, but it's, it's able to bring out like special and um, affecting things through the variations on on a particular theme like the things that interrupt his routine um, you know are extra special because they exist within this um, this routine so like the scene where uh, he sits down with the with a little girl who also like writes poetry and she shares a poem with him and it's like you know, really endearing and and uh, and heartwarming, um, and precisely because like you know it's one of those moments in a otherwise maybe kind of dreary or dull day um, that uh, that you know kind of brings a little life uh, to you, and it's so it's not like a, it's not depressing, uh, even though he lives this like sort of mundane existence because he's able to like pick out moments and and stuff through his poetry and just through like his interactions with other people that um you know that matter and he's able to make other people's lives better and other people are able to make his life a little better through the things that they share with him uh i liked his relationship with uh you know his his girlfriend that you know they're like very different people but uh, they're able to um, support each other um, in their own like idiosyncratic pursuits. 
Um, and so I, I found that to be kind of kind of inspiring, I guess. Like it, it uh, you know, it felt very um, it felt very touching. So yeah, it, it um, got into my skin uh, uh, and uh, and has stuck with me. So yeah, it's <clears throat> it's rare to see a film that celebrates like mundanity and like quietness. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really yeah. cool. It was really cool to see that. Um, I think it just didn't strike the same chord, but I mm-hmm. totally get why it might might do that for you. I hated that gold ship. It like, like <laughs> yeah, she was, was say that. dude. I mean, I agree with Steve, but she's also beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that is. I could see why somebody would fall in love with her, though. She's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, shot. I right after like a week of talking to her, though, honestly. <laughs> I, I guess you don't have Adam Driver's sense of like right after that movie, like that one weekend where like she just sells a bunch of pastry, like cupcakes or whatever the fuck. Like then she's gonna want to start like a fixed gear bike business or something. <laughs> she's got all sorts of ideas of. Of things that she gets so enamored and like, wow, you're so eclectic. And, just, <laughs> and like, okay, yeah, but not everyone can have like that kind of, I don't know, whatever ideal you know relationship where things are like constantly, uh, you know, hot and uh, you know exciting and new and like, you might find yourself, you know, at some point settled into that kind of routine and. And you, you might just think back on these these people as role models, Steve. Straight up, she's going to learn, like, one modest mouse song to play on her guitar, and, like, that's... <laughs> I get it, Dan. It's a peaceful movie. It's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, there's Serenity to it. Next. <laughs> <laughs> serenity next. <laughs> that's you, Steve. Fucking step up, oh, bitch. shit. All right. Yeah, let me look this list up. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, all right. It's so funny because I have no I, like I had no idea what the movies would be until I just used IMDb. Um, oh my god, dude! I, I got the Neon Demon at number four though. Nice. Anything to say? Give give us a few thoughts, Steve. I tend to like so there's like a lot of giallo influence in it that I like because you don't really see like poppy colorful like horrifying fucking movies anymore that's a big giallo thing um probably one of Keanu Reeves's greatest performances I actually hated Keanu Reeves in this movie but I, that's the point though like I think you're supposed No I I thought he was straight up not good in it but dude I fucking love Keanu in this <laughs> Right. One scene where he just like straight up puts a knife in Elf Fanning's mouth, and I was like, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is amazing." Uh, subtle symbolism there. The job. <laughs> I liked like how archetypal this thing was. It's like playing with like when Elf Fanning realizes that like she's like the most literally the most beautiful like thing ever created in the world, <laughs> and she starts getting real catty about it. Amazing. And then everyone else is like, oh my god, you're so pretty. And then, like, they're, like, eating glass, and, like, there's jaguars, like, jumping in <laughs> for some reason. 
And then there's like one scene that looks like it's out of uh, what? What the fuck is that Scarlett Johansson movie where she's like an alien and just like raping people? Oh, uh, under the skin. Yeah, like there's like an under the skin sequence where like she's just like mating with like a neon triangle, and you're just like, shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I I enjoyed it uh, for sure. I I think like I I don't think you could say it's a morality tale, though it certainly has a structure of one because it's like you know this uh, young inexperienced girl comes to Hollywood and like you know because you know she's seen as such a, you know, beautiful, uh, commodity, uh, she becomes, like, corrupted by, uh, the life there, so it, in that sense, it has the structure of, of, like, a morality tale, but it, it also has a lot of other, uh, elements, uh, going forward, like the, the, like, pulpy, uh, like, neon, you know, Hollywood, uh, motifs and uh well, it's like it's not necessarily a morality say i mean there's morality in it but it's not trying to give you like the answer it's more like yeah, Jungian yeah. that's why i'm it's saying like, it like has a structure of one yeah. but it it does other things within that it's like basically everyone's like psychological shadow is like on blast at some point in this movie it's very like freudian <laughs> uh like your your scene with the knife in in her mouth and stuff, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff like that. But like, isn't that like Nicholas Winding Refn like to a T? Like it's like, yeah, yeah. it totally is him. That's like exactly mm-hmm. unfiltered, plays- unfiltered Refn right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like just like a Valhalla Rising, fuck. Yeah, I mean, they're eating each other at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, well, I mean, that's not... Yeah, I don't think he cares much about subtlety, nor should he, because, you know, like it's his movies are never not dynamic and, and you know, fun to watch. So, so right now I have it at a 9 out of 10, but if Keanu Reeves just, like, had a knife in her mouth and played around with it for, like, a minute, it would have been a 10 out of 10 maybe. Because you would have come, right? Doing <laughs> you... I would have been like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It is, uh... It, I don't know what to make of the ending, except to say that it is, like, the fruition of con- of the concept, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah, dude. It is the... It, yeah, it felt I don't exactly know. right <laughs> when it happened. The movie only has to make, uh, in some sense, like, a psychological sense. It doesn't have to make logical sense. Yeah, I actually, I actually agree totally with that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, you guys should watch Come and See. Ah, uh, oh, I've got it on my watch list, Steve, but that's I'm like real the, hesitant. I'm real that's hesitant. That's the most like, watch a true war film I think I've ever seen. Hmm. Shit. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'll dude. I'll check it out. Yeah, man. Legit. Dan, can we proceed, or would you like to, to talk more about the Neon <laughs> No, Deep? you're... you're clear for takeoff. Alright, um, I don't know how we want to do this. I'm pretty sure I'm about to swoop one of your films here, Dan. Just a guess. Uh, number four for me is The Witch. Uh, yes, you did. Um, it's so like I don't really a, know how we want to handle this. Let, let's do but... what we've done in the past. Where, like, I, I don't care. I'll, I'll say where it's at. Um, and, uh, and we can both talk about it. Uh... <laughs> It's it's a, wanna... it's my number one. 
I fucking knew it. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured it was. Well, uh, you got me. <laughs> well, since it means a little bit more to you, do you wanna, do you wanna uh, talk? First? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, <laughs> I'll say that, um, you know, you guys. <laughs> It obviously doesn't come as a huge surprise to Keith. I'm sure not for Steve either. That this is on here for me because it touches on so many things that I'm <laughs> interested in, you know, history and religion and uh, and all that. But uh, like most historical films, I-, I was thinking about this last night. And most historical films, I, I really don't like, and they and they tend to fall into two like hits that uh that you know kind of ruin them for me or so so on the one hand you have um the kind of historical films that are accurate in terms of language and and costume and stuff like uh i don't know if you ever saw gettysburg or gods and generals um they're just like really immaculate recreations um of of the civil war but they're like really bad in terms of acting and just general artistry. Uh, they were really not very good films. Um, and then you also have the kind of movies like um, maybe uh, The Patriot or, or Glory that uh, they're better in terms of filmmaking, but they they kind of dilute the, the aspects of history that are, that are interesting um, just by making them modern out of like the the concern that, that audiences won't be interested in them if like the characters have a different, like wildly different set of beliefs and and uh, and interests than than uh, than they do. Um, so this, uh, you know, w- was able to both, you know, work in terms of like creating this really fascinating um, recreation of like 1600s New England, um, but also able to work. Um, in terms of filmmaking, um, and do justice to the characters and, and the artistry and the, and the acting and everything. Um, so it's it's pretty pretty cool for me when that comes around. Um, but beyond just like why something like that would be interesting for me, um, it it really uh, summoned the kind of fear um, that I guess. I felt as a kid, like what you know, when when you were young and and you were afraid of like monsters in the closet, and you'd tell yourself like you know it's not real and stuff. But that fear was so overwhelming for you that it like didn't really matter whether you knew it was it wasn't true or not because that fear like made it true for you. Um, yeah, tapped into that like childhood psychological like actual fear the witch type thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, that that kind of fear that just becomes all-encompassing, like paranoia, where you begin to doubt the, like, nature of your own reality. Um, and so, like, it, it perfectly, like, grabbed me, um, by that, um, by that thread, and, uh, and it, like, it was something that I wasn't able to, to shed for a while after having seen it, um. And, and so it, it works in that sense um, because of its attention to detail and its 
like rigorous pacing and um you know i think uh the director robert eggers has cited kubrick as like someone who he, he really appreciates his filmmaking style and he's someone who is also like really attentive to detail and very carefully constructs his his um his scenes and and i think that you know is also prevalent throughout this thing he like robert eggers is kind of obsessive about the recreation of this like you know agrarian lifestyle in in this foreign land and uh and so those kind of details like you know the crops going bad and uh and uh like going out on hunting and and you know the you're kind of being beset by nature on all sides like all that stuff really add to uh to the atmosphere and make it really unique um, but uh, another thing. Yeah, I had one girl on OKCupid mentioned that she hated the witch, and I was like, "You're trash." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if there ever was a litmus test uh, for a relationship, Dude, it's so boring. And I was like, "That's a completely <laughs> wrong interpretation." And then I know movies are subjective, but I reject <laughs> you, and you're trash. I mean, I kind of agree with that. Like, I don't know. It bothers me when people are like, "It was boring." Yeah. It's such an uninteresting criticism. Like, not liking a movie. It's like, it it didn't have Michael Bay quick cutting, that's why you didn't like it? (laughs) Out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, a lot of people went to the movie. I know some people that I went and saw it with, like, assuming it was going to be a very different movie than it was. We were going to watch a horror movie. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry, you know, for... For that, but, uh, you know, it, it completely wrapped me up. There, there was one more thing I wanted to say, and that's, like, I loved how how human all the characters were. Like, I think especially, um, like, mentioning how other period films tackle, like, ca- characters from the past and try and make them relatable by, like... I think most filmmakers would, like, approach the Puritans as, like, oh, these guys are religious zealots, like, let's make them, like you know, robotic, like, uh, we must obey the word of God and stuff. But, like, these people, you know, in the film are fully fleshed out, and they, you know, struggle with all these ideas like predestination and um, and uh, the, the kind of fear of spells and, and witchcraft and stuff. And you don't have to... I mean, this is a great example of not having to make the characters modern or, or make them have relatable... Um, fears and stuff. Uh, you can you can make them interesting and dynamic and and human while still making them like the people that they actually were, you know, of the past. And uh, mm. and so I like, yeah, that's I hugely appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about about the witch was is pretty similar like the the specific type of puritanical paranoia that they experience is like incredibly well rendered uh and you know y- you're given sort of like uh um, the background on their beliefs in in the way that like they're cast out in the beginning and and the way that um the the father talks about religion and the rules that they have to obey and you're just like given all of these these sort of like very instructive thoughts about it and then it just like takes that and uses that to bind them to like you know their their fears and they they become like sort of 
trapped within it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, really amazing to see like the walls closing in on them, mm-hmm. uh, based on like their fears. Um, and for like, so for me, for someone who doesn't like horror films very much, um, I really appreciated that it wasn't reliant on jump scares in the same way that it wasn't reliant on gruesome imagery in the same ways. It was, it was so much more atmospheric and yeah. circumstantial and psychological. Um, and, and that type of fear is so much more interesting to me than like the base obvious type of murder is imminent <laughs> here. Yeah. A witch coming at you with like daggers and it's, you know, freaky yeah. prosthetic mask or something. Eight arms and seven. Yeah. I just appreciate, uh, that level of like that higher level fear. Mortality and sin and yeah. evil. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting uh, type of of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to highlight the ending of the witch. Yeah. Um, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I would say it goes toe to toe with La La Land's ending. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I just, I thought, <sighs> I'm gonna read a quote, uh, cause David Ehrlich, our, our boy David Ehrlich says it better than I ever could. <laughs> um, I'll read it here. Sure. And yet the witch, for all its stoicism, eventually digs so deep into sinister seriousness that it burrows clean through the other side, ending up during its giddy final 15 minutes in a slap-happy place that most horror films don't even know exists. I think that's such an incredible uh, description of what happens. I just love the ending so fucking much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. What did, what did you guys think of the ending? I love the ending. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was exactly the kind of... I think it was the kind of thing that would have looked silly if uh, it didn't, like, follow this... Um, if Robert Eggers hadn't committed so fully to this vision of, like, you know, Calvinist doctrine and sin and horror, like, it, if not for that, it, it would have looked, like, weird and silly, but... Um, instead, it was like you know, utterly chilling and and like like it was like this sordid reverie um, that you know disturbed me uh, to no end. Uh, you know, just because he committed um, to to what he was trying to to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just God, I love the ending so much of that movie. Yeah. I think that my... It's, like, per- perfect. I don't know. Yeah. That line, would you like to live deliciously? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very smart. And I, I think, though, my favorite scene might have been the one where uh, um, the the son, William, um, is brought up to the attic of the house and he's having like mm-hmm. his death throes yep. and he like vomits up an apple and the twins like start having fits and um the you know the father is demanding that uh you know his daughter like recite the the lord's prayer um like all all of that like how that all culminated in in that moment um where like 
people just didn't know what to do in that situation. And then, like, William, like, recites, he starts, like, right before he dies, he starts saying these things, um, like, about how he loves God, and it's, like, somewhat sexual, and so you're, like, yeah. left wondering, is he, like, entering heaven, or is this, like, the devil speaking through him? And, like, the yeah. family obviously doesn't know either. That kind of, like, uncertainty, just, like the way it uproots their beliefs and their, yeah, like, totally. that, that was masterful right there. Yeah, it was. We just, one thing we didn't talk about, and or you're talking about it now, but, like, yeah, the way that, like, everything becomes perverted by mm-hmm. evil and this and Satan, um, which is, like, a thing that is often spoken about in concept, um, and, you know, sometimes you see it on screen or whatever, but it's uh, it's very, like, again, like, pretty obvious stuff but like yeah the way that their faith is perverted and becomes evil and mm-hmm. like they are destroyed by it. it and yeah and exactly what you were saying the way that it becomes sexual and there's like some some uncertainty about uh, yeah like the the nature of everyone's relationships and stuff like that like the everything truly uh, as in the bible you know falls to ruin mm-hmm. it's such an incredible like you know, the extension of all of those themes. I loved, yeah. yeah, I loved all of that. Yeah, and that's like, I think for them, that's like the the worst, the most horrible aspect of it, that like these things that mean so much to them are, their like foundation is being, is being shaken. Yeah. But that's it, what feds don't realize, or can't engage with. Sorry, what, what? Steve? <laughs> Stop. Can you stop making breakfast briefly? And... <laughs> I said, that's what the plebs don't realize or, like, can't engage with. It's, like, that whole perversion of their worldview and, like, the other chaos that that would bring. They're just like, no, I would rather Michael Bay just shoot, like, unintelligible action and I would gladly clap for that or something. <laughs> I mean, I think you're, you're right in that, like, it's something you have to go along on the ride uh, in order to to get something out of it. Because, like, if you go to this movie and you're, like, expecting a, a horror movie, a, a typical horror movie, um, you're not going to, like, approach the characters how they're supposed to be approached. You're, they're, you're going to, like, be having your mental death count in your head and you're going to be, like, waiting for the the, like, monster, the, the scene where the monster, like, bursts out, um, and yeah. so you're not, you're gonna be, like, ignoring all this other, like, very interesting stuff that, that Robert Eggers is doing with it. So I think the, the marketing for that film was, was kind of flawed, um, but, you know, it... Totally fine with, like, they market a movie that's actually good to maximize asses and seats, even <laughs> to dumb people up. I'm glad it made money, I'll say that, because, you know, Did Robert it? Eggers, yeah, it, it made a lot of money. Um, though a lot of people were, like I say, they were like, oh, what did I just watch? Like, I hated this. Um, but in in any case, it'll allow Robert Eggers to, to continue making the kind of movies that he, he wants yeah. to make, which is, like, the greatest thing ever for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shut the fuck up, Dan. Um, although, talking about this now makes me regret placing it as low as I did. <laughs> um, as I said, I did not spend an appropriate amount of time ranking the movies. 
I mean, but, that's um, fair. You don't. <laughs> I don't think we need to take our our particular ranking too seriously. Uh, I just know that for me, it's the movie that stood out for me or like stuck with me the most after having s- seen it and like got under my skin and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, caused me to think yeah, about all these uh, these yeah. subjects. It stayed with me for quite a while as well. Yeah. yeah. Dude, well, and it gave us like the amazing audience Taylor Joy. <laughs> she was really good. Uh, yeah, she was really good. I mean everyone was really good in, in this yeah. movie. Um well, maybe a testament to, to Dan's persuasive enthusiasm. How about that? Um Who's next, Steve? You want me to go because you're well, making, I'm next. You're making eggs, you fuck. <laughs> I'm next, oh, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. just won. Like, take one extra round while I finish this up? No, Dan's actually next, I forgot. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised if Steve doesn't care anything about this movie, so it might be perfect timing. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is unexpected. Interesting. Yeah. Um, have, so, have, have either of you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I showed my parents it over over Christmas. Ooh, I showed my parents it. We went inside in the theater. <laughs> Steve, did you did you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I will say that um, this was like an amazing piece of craftsmanship. Um, I, I think it's the kind of movie that is elevated far above where it should be by its craftsmanship. And not just in terms of the visuals, um, though the the animation is, is incredible. It, it kind of has that... It has what I like about Hayao Miyazaki in that it, it pays attention to little things like the curl of a mouth or the way that someone shifts their weight uncomfortably. Um, it, it has that kind of uh, just that sense of how um, how um, emotion is conveyed through, like, subtle movements and, and stuff that not everybody has that, like, intuitive sense, but, like, if you have a skillful director like Hayao Miyazaki, then uh, you can really elevate your movies by, by paying attention to and including those, those kind of uh, mannerisms and, uh, and moments. Um, but you know, besides just the visuals, um, uh, which are amazing, you you have like really um, well crafted uh, dialogue. Um, it it really manages the the feat of of juggling um, characterization, uh, humor, uh, the the themes and and plot really deftly. Um, like there, there's some uh, really great lines, like the line that I think Monkey says, where she says something like, uh, uh, "As you grow stronger, the world around you grows more dangerous. Life has a funny way of balancing things out that way." Um, just, just stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's you know, it, it's really well, really well done. And um, you know, the, the I guess the story is one. It's, it's kind of like a classic fable of. Uh, gods and mortals, and uh, family, family love, and, and personal growth. Um, but um, because of its impeccable craftsmanship, it 
it feels like deep and familiar rather than you know stale or gen- generic. So, hmm. and, and it's also kind of a, a sad movie. Um, like a, a lot of uh, kids' movies. Um, I don't want to sound like that guy, but a lot of kids' movies nowadays they uh, you know they don't have anything particularly interesting to convey. Um, apart from like be yourself and uh, you know stay true to who you are, um, but this one like you know touches on dealing with uh, loss and grieving and uh, and um, how that impacts you know the the growing up experience. Um, so you know it's uh, yeah it works on a lot of levels. I really uh, really really liked it. Huh. I uh, I'm interesting. I'm surprised uh, to see it so high on your list. I agree the visuals were excellent, um, and I loved seeing, you know, stop-motion animation done so well and, like, honestly, like, totally, like, breathtaking stuff that they were managed managed to pull off there. Um, I can't... Actually, the, the fact that they show you that big skeleton fight at the end was really, really actually drove home how incredible what they're doing uh, is. But um, I I did have problems with it. I think uh, there is some decent dialogue, as you say. I think there's also some pretty pitiful dialogue in it, though. And I think um, the humor uh, is not good. It's it's almost cringeworthy at times. I think almost all of it falls flat for me. Um, and it's also anachronistic is the wrong word, but it it feels wrong for the characters the way they're joking around. I don't know. It, it felt it felt off to me. Um, uh, I felt like it sagged a bit in the middle. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I liked it a lot overall, but I just, I would not have put it as high, personally. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know that I could, I don't, I don't know that I, I know what you're talking about, um, like, when you, when you say the dialogue, like, falling flat or even being cringeworthy, uh, <laughs> Steve. what, uh, <laughs> Steve, like a, stop salt baying. <laughs> like, what? Uh, can you extrapolate on that more? Uh, I wish I could. I don't. I honestly don't remember the jokes that well. But okay. I just remember watching it in theaters and and being like, "This is not as funny as it thinks it is. It's not as charming as it thinks it is." Uh, and then I watched it again with my parents, and it became even more apparent how like incorrect the humor felt to me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that I remember offhand. Um, but I mean, everything that you said, I, I generally agree with. It was, it is a very dark film in a lot of ways. Um, especially that that scene in the in the beginning where the mom is like sitting off that cliff face and she's just like blank and mm-hmm. clearly broken and that shit was like brutal, man. <laughs> that like. Yeah. That that just like seeing it like kills me, man. Like the visuals are unreal. Yeah, but. that was a that was a really good 
moment, it, it, it had that feeling of, like, adultness or, like, you know, the kid is taking on responsibilities that are beyond his years and stuff uh, that kind of uh, made it feel more mature than, than a lot of its... Uh, the, the other kind of films, uh, kids' films that get made. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I... I don't know if I have a particular reason why this is so high on my list, but um, I really, it really, like, uh, I, I really sort of uh, fell under its spell, and maybe that prevented me from seeing flaws in its dialogue or, um, you know, sense of humor... But, uh, you know, it felt all very um, polished and and, um, mm. and uh, not really having any weaknesses. So, well, I hate to be the SJW on this podcast, but, you know, we can also talk about the whitewashing elements if you want to ding your movie further. <laughs> like, well, we like got all Steve white, to... <laughs> all-white cast in an Asian, like... <laughs> Not even an. It's like a pretty specific Japanese yeah. uh, feeling uh, film. I mean, I, and I we've think got that is Charlie's Theron, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> like doing our voices. Like, hey, it's I mean, McConaughey is basically Vietnamese. Let's let's say that, all right. I mean, I, and and don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to take this movie down for that because they also cast Rooney Mara in it, and she was phenomenal. <laughs> Excellent choice there. And she's, you know, un- untouchable in my book. <laughs> uh, I think, no, I think that is actually a, a good point to bring up. Um, mm. uh, though I, I'm not sure I'd agree, because basically, you know, it is um, full of all this <laughs> Japanese, like, mythology and stuff, and it does, like, I mean, it's an American film, uh, and it's got an American voice cast. And so, like, is that... Is that okay? Um, like, uh, so what? What do you did, did that bother you, Keith? I mean, this is like actually it gets into a much larger cultural conversation that's happening right now. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you guys read about that that painting in the Whitney that um, has caused no. I mean, I know quite like a bit of controversy. And, uh, yeah, and death well, I mean, and that kind of thing, but uh, I'm not sure about the it, painting. It's like. There's this painting in the Whitney about uh, that a white artist made, and it's it's basically like a, a piece about this this guy Emmett Till who like got his face like beat the fuck oh, yeah. in it like the 40s or something like that. Yeah. Um, and basically, the controversy is whether or not a white artist should be, you know, making art about black suffering, and like, do they know what they're talking about? Let alone is like it okay for them to be, you know, making something not about them or you know hmm. so you could make the same the same question you know you could pose the same question here well, what do you what do you think i i don't know i mean i think uh i think they they did a pretty good job but like yeah i mean it's it's totally a valid question um and i think it goes a lot to yeah like the level of research that they do and the you know the the people behind the camera. Like I don't know, maybe there are a lot of Asian people behind the camera. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, it, it's a it's a good question. I don't have the answer. Okay, well I'll say what I think because this is actually something that I've thought uh, about more than <laughs> you probably know. 
Um, I I don't. There, there's not much um, that I kind of dislike more um, than the kind of decrying of, of cultural appropriation and stuff. Um, in in terms of like that like liberal mindset, like there there's some things that I you know am ambivalent about, but like this is something that I really don't um, like that it's coming under fire so much. Though I, I see you know valid reasons for for why there would be that criticism but the reason that i say that is because well for one i don't think there's anything more damaging than saying like people need to stay within their like racial or cultural boundaries oh god i'm getting i'm getting fucking flashbacks to our chi our fucking <laughs> conversation we had at the chinese restaurant oh, it's all, oh god it's i all. was wrong i do have an opinion on this okay. and it's very strong and <laughs> All right. Well, let let me say my thing, and and you know I'll because uh, I, I do feel like I'll this entire podcast if we go down this road, dude. Okay, I'll try to keep it brief, but basically, nah, this is not good shit. Like, let's go. <laughs> oh god. Basically, I I think that you know for one, it's it's really it doesn't make any. There's no particular reason for saying like why people should um, like only behave in a particular way or only do things a particular way because, you know, they were born of a particular race or culture. Um, but apart from that, a lot of the things that are identified as, like, Asian or, or white or black, you know, these are things that have, for all of history, been, like, uh, borrowed and, um, like, there's, there is no white culture, there is no black culture. Um, there is no, like, Kenyan culture, there is no, you know, Polish culture, culture, people have been borrowing from, you know, other, um, cultures since time immemorial, and that's a really healthy part of, like, exploring the world and broadening, um, your horizons and improving, um, hopefully, um, your own, uh, culture or your own understanding of the world. Um, so I think this is, like, I... Again, I can see reasons for why people are protective of their of their cultures, but I think that um, it's extremely wrongheaded and damaging to say that you know people can't touch certain things because I don't. Of I don't think race. anyone's saying that that you can't share in it and that you can't you know know about it and celebrate it or anything like that. I think the argument is centered more around co-opting it and speaking from the perspective as if you knew, you know, what that experience is like. So, like, would you, do you think you would do a good job writing a short story about your pregnancy? Like, does that seem like an, an area in which you could speak knowledgeably? Me? No. But I don't so, think it's so, beyond that. But I think... I don't but think... I think that that is the that's sort of like the the framing that works best here. It's not like cultural, you know, uh, exchange. It's it's that you fundamentally like don't know about that experience. So perhaps you should leave it to somebody who does. But what if someone Wait, like yeah. does know and they're a man? Well, then that would go to you know a, a level of you know, effort that is put into it in research and communicating with people who do, because, like, you fundamentally can't know what it's like to be pregnant. You would have to speak with people who do, and, mm -hmm. you know, so that that would that would be the circumstance where I would say, 
um, you know, you're getting into the, the right area to be able to do something like that. I don't know personally whether I feel like you can ever do it or if you shouldn't or whatever, like they're, that conversation, but like that's the, that's certainly the right direction, I would say. But, like, going, okay, like, we don't need to talk about, like, how far to take this, because, like, I don't know, maybe the, taking that too far, you'd say, like, well, only women can be options, because they are the only ones who, like, can really understand, you know, that experience. Like, that's not a particularly good, um, that's not good for society, um, uh, to draw that that line, even though, like I say, you can see, um, you know, why someone would make that distinction, but it's not—it's really not healthy to say like to have that kind of like tribalist. Everyone stay within their their particular you know clan and don't you know venture out or try and um, you know do things differently than you know your arbitrary, you know, culture has it. Yeah, again, I don't think anyone is... I don't think people... I mean, maybe there are people who are saying that, but, like, I'm not saying that there there should be no cultural exchange or anything like that, or no experience, sharing of experiences. I think it's, it's mainly just that somebody is purporting to be able to speak on an experience that they've never had and can never have and, and saying that this is, you know, a definitive accounting of that experience. Here's, here's my view. And I'm about, I'm about to put like both of you on blast. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm about. Oh shit. <clears throat> I think the danger is only when you get a climate that starts stifling uh, speech in general around that because there's a lot of people bandying about cultural appropriation at the moment where, like, basically nobody outside of uh, the XYZ victim group can have an opinion, but it all comes down to, like, like an argument base. It's like, can you make the argument? And the argument is independent of, I don't know, how tall you are, etc. So as far as, like, can I talk about the experience of being pregnant? I can talk about it in in multiple different dimensions. I can't speak about it as like the internal experience for nine months as a woman, but there are plenty yep. of things as a man that I could say about yep. pregnancy. Sure. Yeah. Totally. I think, yeah, I don't have a problem. I, and I don't think that like sharing in an experience and learning, you know, more and trying to figure out and trying to get to that place where you can, you know, really start to understand what it is like to have that experience. Uh, I think that's great, and, like, people should do it, and um, I don't have a problem with that. I think um, but I think the more that you do learn about it and begin to sympathize with it, I think it's also probably true that the, the less you will want to say that you are, you know, can speak definitively about it. You'll You'll say that you, you know, because you, you'll have so much more sympathy for it that you won't, you probably won't try to pass your experience off as the same. Argument, man. Just comes back, comes back to argument for me. Is the argument good or not? Well, you'll say, I understand it, uh, or, or I, I, I sympathize I, with it, or, you know, but saying that you own it is different. Fuck. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, this is a sidetrack, but since... Totally a sidetrack. But since you, like, I just gotta say this, since you brought it up in the context of, you know, this movie, is this movie, like, and you're saying you don't have an answer for this movie, like, I... Well, maybe I do. Maybe I do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that, like... You know, and I guess it was unaware there was a controversy about this particular movie. Though I know there is for like, you know, movies like Ghost in the Shell. But I think that this is, you know, this shouldn't be a problem. Um, I know like people criticize, uh, you know, Hamilton. Oh, it has a you know black and Latino cast, but there's nothing about those kind of stories that belong to in ethnic group, uh, there, this is, like, the part of being, like, a vibrant, dynamic, like, human being, um, that experience of, you know, taking, like, taking is the wrong word, because you're not taking, but, like, learning or, um, borrowing from other cultures, that's, like, that's part of, uh, something to be applauded, I think, rather than, um, than decried and and to bring up a, a quote from um, Ta Nayisi Coates, um, he said that like one of the one of the realizations that meant the most to him was the the line uh, I think somebody said uh, that he like he was looking for the Tolstoy of the Zulus, um, you know essentially like you know what would be their equivalent. Um, that, that they could put up as, like, matching, you know, this great, you know, Russian author. But, like, he, he came to the realization that Tolstoy is the Tolstoy of the Zulus, and that, like, meant a huge amount to him uh, to learn that uh, or to come to that understanding. Um, like, these, ultimately, these kind of, you know, boundaries that we set up for each other, um, you know, they, they're they not the be-all and end-all of who we are as people, and we shouldn't be afraid to step outside of these boundaries. I mean, I I want to respond, but I'd rather move on. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I mean, we, I we can even. I don't know how much how much progress we're gonna make on this. Yeah, yeah, and we can even have this conversation another time. So, I think uh, um, Steve. Steve is next. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, next movie on the list is L. Yo, nice. It's like what else? I mean, what else? Dan, you didn't see it, right? <laughs> I did see you it actually. It? Oh, you did? Yeah. Did we talk about it? Uh, no, I was uh, saving it up because I figured one of you at least would bring it up. Is it on your yeah, list? You just, uh, why don't you drop some knowledge on on how you enjoyed L then? Because me and like me and Keith saw it and we were like, yo. <laughs> Great movie going experience. It, is this on your list, Keith? No, it's not. Okay. I actually okay. I mean, may, maybe you want to say something, but um, I'll say that I I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I thought. I <laughs> Just stop, dude. <laughs> stop. I um. Yeah, I. I, I I didn't get as 
like you, you, you guys kind of built it up for me, not to blame you or anything. But, <laughs> no, we definitely did. <laughs> but uh, like, it I wasn't a- felt like I was missing something uh, based off of what you guys, you know, had talked about, and then what I saw when I saw it. So maybe you guys can, you know, talk about what the experience was like seeing it uh, uh, together. I mean, it was just mainly that, like, me and Steve kept, like, fist bumping, like, the entire movie. <laughs> I, I, I missed out on that. I, I was not fist bumping anymore <laughs> as I watched. Like, every scene we were, like, nice. And then we fist bumped. And then we dabbed also. Oh, nice. Yeah. We were like... <laughs> um, no I mean, I can talk said. a little bit about I mean, man, it, it's it's just like such a ooh, wow! I was not prepared to talk about L today, guys. Um, <laughs> it's such it's a I very love Paul Verhoeven's like portrayals of sex. Like I think he's like the only guy like like he just like intrinsically gets like sex and cinema and like all of these like psychological underpinnings that go with it. Like wait, like name another movie where you've seen like rape or like sadomasochism portrayed in the way that he did it but also in a way that you can laugh at yeah that's a tough totally tough one it's like it's such a twisted fucking movie yeah i just i cannot and like yeah who else has the balls to like play with rape but and, and but but like take it so seriously and really care about the character and the treatment of her and how she reacts and really giving her 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 dignity and her power in a lot of ways, uh, but still, like, play with the dynamics of the relationships and use the, her sexuality as, a like, a poker chip and, like, just manipulating people. And, she yeah, she never loses her, her uh, agency. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the film, despite and it's such like a an interesting like way to push back against like the normal narrative of like rape as power and I don't know it's such a twisted fucking film. I just, and I how that, like super Catholic like wife of the guy that she was having this relate like she thanks L. <laughs> that was oh, pretty the, weird. Like, like act out his rape play fantasies. It's just like I was like. <laughs> And, oh, God, I, it, it also, like, set all of the characters up with such, uh, like, excellent characterization so quickly, and then that dinner scene, man, it just, like, all, it takes all the characters, and she just, like, is the, the bowling ball through the pins in that scene, and it's so much fun seeing her, like, wreck everyone, with, like, her, just her, like, her character's cold, but raw charisma and manipulations. <laughs> I don't know. It was so Half great. Sex appeal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Steve, did do you, you have anything it, to... Did you get any of that? Did you feel any of that, Dan? No? Uh, like, I, I thought that it was maybe too happy to be, like, transgressive and, like, oh, like, you know... If, like, she's, you know, at the same time both, like, a, a victim and, like, an abuser and stuff, and, like, oh, that moral gray area. But it, it didn't, 
I didn't feel like it did much with that besides just, um, you know, just like, oh, this, like, this is a really, you know, transgressive idea, um, and it's very disturbing, and, like, what do you think about it? But I, I didn't feel like it did much with, like, the kind of things that it was um, dabbing into. Really? You didn't, you didn't think, think all, all think of the shit that we just said? Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. I don't even think Verhoeven, like, looks at the shit that he does as, like, all that transgressive. But I, I, think it, I think it is. I'll defend it as such. You don't... Really? You don't think it is? Well, I think there's multiple perspectives on this. I don't think he looks at what he's doing on screen as transgressive. I think everybody else does, and that's why he enjoys doing it. I agree, actually, with that, yeah. Okay, maybe, it, but... You can't put it on the screen because nobody else will. And that, I, won't, I won't call it a transgression. I, I just think he just issues that well, whatever cinematic idea there is of like uh you know like good taste or polite taste or politeness or something like that yeah but that's not that's like not enough for me it's not enough for me to like be presented with something that's like uh you know really against the uh society's mores and, and stuff and like uh, look at this it's like both grotesque and uh and like sympathetic at the same time like what are you going to do with that that's not enough for me like you need to you need to do more than just like play around with those themes you need to but it's not it's not i mean i don't think it is just playing around with them like and actually this goes to our appropriation conversation is like this isn't something this is something i didn't really understand until i read a, a woman's take on this is that like Rape is so often treated in cinema as like a well, first of all, as like a device to like gain sympathy for like a male character, but like <laughs> also like the yeah, oh god, what a fucking travesty of a film. But yeah, um, but but like the the woman is always you know the the tragic figure, this this mm-hmm. person who has been you know robbed of their their agency and they're powerless and you know whatever, and so to see a character. Uh, you know, take control and you know be the the agent of their future, and um, and also deal with like the confusing nature of rape. She kind of liked it, or whatever, like whatever you want to say about it. She, you know, it's confusing. Like it is a sexual act, but you don't want it. It's like it's weird, mm-hmm. and like to see that portrayed in in sort of larger thematic and dramatic ways is like that is new. That is different. Um, and that's like not something that I really understood until I read someone else's take on it, because I don't have their experience, Dan, and I can't talk about it. You know? <laughs> and for me, like nothing is off limits. So <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know. I, I know your your appreciation, <laughs> Steve. Uh, but like, doesn't it feel to you um, like it? No. <laughs> I really liked Isabel Huber's performance. Uh, like yeah. she was very controlled, uh, very like very good at expressing the like you know inner conflict despite being this like very severe woman. Uh, mm-hmm. You know she was really good, but 
like a lot of these relationships around her felt very like forced and like not organic like her relationship with her mother like oh my mother's seen this like younger man like uh why like this is so embarrassing and stuff that didn't like it, it didn't feel like an organic relationship it more felt like her mother was just like this uh sort of psychological obstacle that you know she uh had to overcome or that she was butting up against um i mean i don't disagree that it like uh it was like a little yeah I mean, it was a little divorced from reality but so was the whole fucking movie like yeah <laughs> but well like, you're I, saying I that it's it in the context of the movie you're saying that this is like a an honest take on like sexual violence and, and that well it's, pl- it's playing to... with I don't. I don't know that it is an honest take. I think it's just that it's play. It's it's using a lot of these sort of overlooked and unspoken about you know parts of of that that of a rape that you know we don't normally talk about, and it's 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 working with them and sort of taking the story in ways that we wouldn't normally see. But like, yeah, the film is like totally crazy, man. There's like a fucking mass rape is going around, and she's like toying with them, and yeah, it's like. Yeah, no, but not. that's, like I say, that's not enough for me. So, like, for example, you know, Birth of a Nation is, like, it, it tackles things that, like, other people are afraid to tackle and stuff like that. That doesn't make it a good movie. It, it just, <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, it was a demonstrably bad movie, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, it's, it's not very good in terms of craftsmanship and stuff, but, like, it, it's not enough to say, like, all this goes places that, like, most other directors wouldn't, uh, you know, because you can still end up with a movie like Birth of a Nation. Yeah, but Paul Verhoeven does all those things, and he just, he does them well. But what is so, like, well done about this movie? Uh, the acting, the characterization. Yeah, her acting is really good. It is, and you buy into it anyway. The things that he plays with. It's like, and it, yeah, it's playing with like all these crazy things, but like, sort of actually like in The Handmaiden, like, it is such yeah. a strong hand guiding the events, um, and like the, the tone of it, and yeah, the way like all the pieces are set up for you, it, it's, it's kind of masterful. Yeah, dude. Handmaiden's a good, uh, a good side by side for that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I didn't see what you saw in it, I guess. That's... Dude. I, didn't, I didn't hate it or anything, but I, I was definitely, like, sort of let down, <laughs> I felt. I don't... I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, it, it like, traffics in really, like, unconventional waters. Yeah. And um, it's stuff you don't see often, and it's doing it in a really weird way, and... Yeah, just Verhoeven's has a steady fucking hand the entire time, and it's it's a great goddamn like amusement park ride. I don't know. Tentacles <laughs> porn in there, dude. And like, yeah, I mean, there is like a lot of uh, social dynamic stuff in there, um, which I think is valuable. I don't, I would not discount all of that stuff either. Like, there's one point where like they're critiquing the video game, and like. She's like, this character is not, like, get it, like, being railed hard enough by the <laughs> Are you the, kidding? 
Yeah, I mean, I saw that more when, as a girl. Yeah, like, you get to see that, then, like, this, she's... not think that you're watching a piece of shit. Because, like, I laughed out loud, and then I was like, how is this still working? <laughs> because it is. Hmm. Okay. I... Okay. <laughs> Dan, right. do you think that maybe you don't understand this movie because you don't share her experience and it do- it doesn't make any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should transition and then watch the movie I mean, again. I'm open to the possibility, but I ultimately... <laughs> I mean, like, maybe so. maybe it's that, like, you don't fully understand what it's like to be a woman in that situation, so it Dude, didn't, like, you, do you, you don't, do? you can't speak to it correctly. Do you think, like, maybe that might be part of maybe it? I don't know. Maybe we that's... should get a woman on this podcast, and I mean, then yeah, we, <laughs> we need to diversify. Steve, you're off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I am being tongue-in-cheek, but I... I, I I'm actually not. That's no, that's true. That's like how I feel. Like, well, yeah. I mean, how do you feel like your experience then is like superior to mine? And like, why is your take I, better? Be, because I read other people's takes who did ex, who have experienced this, and then I read it and empathized with them, and you know tried to understand why it was important to them. Could I write this myself? Uh, I don't care about anyone else's take but my own. <laughs> real talk. Take. That's a real straight white <laughs> cisgender male uh, fucking Check your take, goddamn privilege, Steve. <laughs> so. Okay, well, I mean, I you know, sorry, guys. I, I, I just wasn't quite there with you. Yeah, well, I would encourage you to think about why why it was not for you. I will. There will be much checking of privilege once. Uh, I mean, ends. again, I'm being. We're all being tongue in cheek here, but I actually do think that 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 is part of it. On next episode, Dan explores consensual rape play. <laughs> <laughs> actually, guys, I think I'm just moving. <laughs> Uh, and you know that, like, if a woman is raped and she doesn't want the baby, she can just, like, not have... She can just, like, she can just say, I don't want the baby, and then it doesn't happen. You have to want the baby. That's how it works. <laughs> We're going to have to burn the... Oh, rape. that's the political guy. The Republican senator. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the right, fuck are next. you talking about? It was the... It was a deep, deep years-old pull. Good one. Good one. I have no idea whose turn it is any longer. We should probably keep these short, because we're two hours deep. Okay, yeah. Let's uh, Let's try Uh, to pick up the pace. Next for me is Hunt for the Wilder People. Did you guys see that? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Wait, have either of you seen it? No. Yes, Dan? I did. Okay, cool. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People. It's um, it's uh, similar to you know how Dan fell under Edge of Seventeen spell. Probably this is sort of how I felt about this movie. It's mm-hmm. um, like endlessly charming and funny and witty. Um, I just love like the the style of it, the humor of it. Um, but yeah, it's like a it's a coming of age story. It's uh, it's uh, you know orphan child bonds with older, you know, fa- father figure type thing. It's just fun. The pacing is excellent. 
uh, it really, you know, takes its themes, uh, you know, to exactly where they need to go, and it does it well with, like, great, you know, plot, and, uh, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun romp and adventure, um, and it's fucking hilarious, and I loved, I just love it, <laughs> it's, uh, I love showing people it every, you know, it's, it's like my definition of like a good time at the movies. It's just like mm. it's really hard to to dislike anything about it. It's just so much. It's so charming for me. Yeah, I uh, I liked it. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it is very funny. It's got a great sense of humor. It's, it's sort of got that Wes Anderson vibe, though it's not just like you know aping from him. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. its own thing. Um, but you know, it's. In that sense, like it's, it's very fun and, and kitschy, and uh, yeah, it, it was a really good time. It's great to see uh, Alan Grant back in his uh, sort of <laughs> explorer garb, <laughs> taking uh, taking a kid under his wing. Uh, warmed my heart. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, exactly. I really enjoyed it. It was it was a good time. And I'm I'm happy to uh, champion a movie that uh, warms your heart and and uh, yeah. yeah you know it sort of delivers on all of its promises. It's hard to hard to hard for me to put up a mark against. It's just fun. Next. Oh, that's me. Um, this is uh, number four, right? Uh, or number two? Or yeah. Uh, so my. Second favorite movie of the year is uh, Manchester by the Sea. Oh, good. Do, do you think maybe you sympathized with it because it was also about a white man with <laughs> white people problems? Jeez. Like, think, a, like uh, a depressive, like a depressive white guy in an all-white area of the country. <laughs> do you think that that might that might have been straight? Sounds very accusatory. <laughs> I'm just, I'm asking questions. People have said. I mean, I, I know you're you're sort of, like, joking around, but, you know, maybe it is true that, like, this is going to strike more of a chord for me, though, uh, than maybe other uh, characters uh, in, in other movies. Um, maybe that's true. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll grant you that. Though I think that the stuff that these characters undergo in the movie, I have, like, no bearing for. Um, it, like, ultimately, that kind of pain and loss and stuff is something very uh, foreign for me, um, which is part of why I was surprised at how uh, how keenly it, it resonated with me. Um, I mean, the... Obviously, part of it, you know, that credit goes to the performances from Michelle Williams and Casey Affleck and and Lucas Hedges. Um, like, they're all insanely good in their roles. Um, but, it, like, that... <laughs> talk about, like, a, a brutal film that... <laughs> um, that really uh, burrowed <laughs> deep into my, into my psyche... Uh, and so, like, you know, the, the core of the movie uh, is the sort of tension of whether he's going to, whether uh, Casey's character is going to take on the responsibility of, of raising, you know, this, this kid, um, Patrick. And, uh, and so, and you're not sure, like, initially what the, 
what the uh, the issue is, um, and then it's sort of like revealed over time, and you get a sense of like where he is internally and why he's having like vacillating um, back and forth, and why he's like so antisocial and stuff. Um, but just in terms of like filmmaking craft, this is uh, you know this is as good as it gets, I think. Um, uh, you know, one scene that stands out to me is the one where, where Patrick has a like panic attack, and you know, Casey's character doesn't really. What, what's Casey's character's name? Uh, Lee. Lee. And, uh, and Lee sits with him and uh, doesn't really know what to do, but like knows enough that like he's going to just stay stay with him. And you know, Patrick says, like, you know, all right, I'm fine. Can you just leave? And um, like the way that they both you know, wanted something from the other one, but they, like, couldn't articulate it. Uh, you know, I I thought that was, uh, you know, the perfect way of drying out those those underlying um, emotions. And, uh, yeah, it, it uh, yeah, it really did it for me. It really, um, uh, you know, really powerful stuff, I think. Um, yeah, I, t- I loved Manchester also. I think um, it had, like, a, I mean, I am familiar with, like, the Boston area uh, and sort of, like, the mentality of the people that, that live there. Um, and, like, the the texture of the film, like, felt so fu- fundamentally, like, New England, Boston <laughs> to me. Like, it fucking nailed it. Like, it was unbelievable, like recreation of what that that area is like, and the people, and the dynamic, and the way they sort of interact with each other. I I thought it was absolutely amazing. Dude, the dad in the movie, by the way, like was sitting behind us the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, did, I think I think you guys mentioned that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, like I think I think I told you. That's uh, yeah. That's pretty special. We made uh, like. Marvel joke about there not being like a clip at the end, and then like he smirked, and I was like, oh. <laughs> "I'm in heaven." <laughs> yes. Sorry, carry it. Um, yeah, I, I I I liked it a lot too. I don't know what. I mean, I would have loved to put it very high on. Or it is very high on my list. It's not ultimately in my top five. Um, I'm not really sure why. It just. Um, it kind of glanced off of me, and I'm not really sure why. I can't explain it. Um, it just didn't stay with me, ultimately, in the way that these other films did. Uh, maybe, like, it's, uh, you know, wrong place in my life or something like that, but yet yeah, I never got a big emotional resonance with it. I felt bad for the characters. Um, I feel like I understood their pain, but it was hard for me to connect my own life to it, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. And that's something that you know, hopefully, not very many people have to go through. Yeah, God, Jesus, yeah. Maybe I will know the, the tragedy of of that one day, but hopefully not, Jesus. Um, Steve, uh, I actually have it as my number two, only based on IMDb sorting, so. So, do you want to, do you want to say anything about it? That's yeah, good. <laughs> all right, Very dude. The funny thing is, like the order, like all of my movies, like in the top five, are like 
are I rated a nine out of ten. So like, there's no reason why. Like, I could put them in any order almost. Like, I didn't. I'm just using the IMDb order. Yeah. Like, they're all nine out of ten, and Handmaiden came up as, as number five. Mm, I see. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know what? Fuck Manchester by the Sea. I reject that movie. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna put Sing Street in for number two. Oh. What do you think about that? Go for it, man. I I haven't seen Eight. it. Tell Dude, me. Not you. you've seen it, right? I've seen it. Oh, Dan, you've seen it. Okay. Dude, I just think like uh, it, it's it's a really like musical, earnest, small Irish movie. And like, so I, like Frank, right? <laughs> It's done by the same guy, or am I wrong? Uh, I don't actually know. Uh, <laughs> no, like, different. I think when I think you recommended different. it to me, I was I had like Frank flashbacks, but I, I actually Dude, liked Frank's it a lot better than Frank. But but you you go ahead and say your thing. Yeah, but it's like like it's so Irish, and like these kids that have a band, and like they actually make a good music, and like the relationship dynamics actually make sense. I don't know, man. Like I. I just love that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. The music's great. Dan, Dan, you can speak to it more if you want to. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it um, a lot. Uh, it it sort of has the same... In some ways, it has the same tone as Frank, which is another movie that Steve, you liked a lot, and I didn't so much care for. But this one worked for me, I think mostly because it didn't feel as caught up in like it's quirkiness um and th- this one felt a little more like honest and and uh, the relationships felt more real and, and that kind of thing though it also is sort of stylized and stuff um mm-hmm. but yeah i you know it's very earnest uh it's very uh, uh it, you know there are a lot of elements that just make you grin uh you know it's it's yeah. that kind of movie yeah i I liked it. Uh, you know. Dude, and the kid's older brother, like Jack Rayner, is fucking great. Like his character, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, arc, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a he's a great character, uh, great like older brother. He used to be Jet Engine man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got his own issues and stuff, but uh, he's also like a a great mentor for his his little brother. It's a it's a great relationship they have. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's it. Cool. Uh, I will speak about my second favorite film of the year, which is Moonlight. Um, did I, you saw well, it, Dan? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Steve, you did not. I haven't seen it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, again, because like La La Land, it's been spoken about quite a bit um but basically I, I really liked it as a story um sort of about how like your your life can can end up like coiled around like one unresolved thing um you know and you're you're i i think of it as sort of like a like a knot in a tree you know like mm-hmm. some like traumatic thing happens and your whole life like just builds around it and it sort of goes unresolved um and that's that's sort of how i think about this movie um it's you know this sort of twisted, hardened part of you, um, and it kind of disfigures you in a, a little way. Um, and yeah, I just I loved seeing that 
that sort of play out on screen. Um, mm-hmm. It resonated a lot with me, um, uh, and I liked the I, you know I liked the storytelling structure. I liked the you know the cinematography was quite quite beautiful, and um, I liked the sort of flowy um, way that it 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 all was shot and. Um, I don't know. There's this like um, this this feeling to the movie. It's really hard to describe, um, but it's just of like interconnectedness and um, everything. You know, swirls back and reaches back to the past, and you know, it plays out in the in the present. And um, yeah, it has this. I don't really know how to describe that feeling, but it's 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 sort of magical. Um, yeah, I liked it. I think the the first act was really good, and the third act is really excellent. Um, it was very tense, um, being sort of purposefully vague here for your benefit, Steve. But uh, the, the yeah, the third act is is really great uh, to see. You know, the groundwork that is laid before it, and see how it all sort of plays out purely mm-hmm. for char- like character. You know, the, what it means to the character, um, and it's very tense, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I think the second act is, you know, it's fine. It's not great, but anyways, Moonlight. Cool. Yeah, I thought it was a terrific film. I, I'm kind of sad we didn't get. I'm, I'm sad we didn't get to see it in Toronto because I think it would have been a mm-hmm. great film to see there. Not that I didn't, you know, enjoy seeing it when I eventually did, but uh, yeah, it would have been a great film to sort of be there as it was forming. Mm-hmm. Like a, a following and stuff, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's incredibly like accomplished for for such for like an, an early directing um, uh, work. Like this this guy hasn't done much um, besides Moonlight, has he? I think he's done like one other small like feature. Yeah, Melancholy, Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah, yeah. and I haven't seen that, but you know this is a. Uh, yeah, this is like almost unreal in terms of like it's how well crafted it is. Um, so there, there are a couple films. It's not on my list. I mean, all my movies have been spoken for. Uh, there are a couple films that didn't make it on my list that you know I really wished could have. This is one of them. Sunset Song is another one. Um, and you know, both of them are like very affecting human dramas, and uh, you know they're. Terrifically well done, but uh, you know ultimately they just didn't make it on my list. But yeah, it's a fantastic film. Um, you should you should definitely see it. See, unless you don't care about the plight of little black boys. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, I'm just not. Gonna... Um. All right, Steve, you want to do your your number one? Yeah, my number one. And again, these just this is just the IMDb order, except for Manchester because fuck Manchester. <laughs> wow, it really plummeted from its nine <laughs> nine ranks. Uh, I have Nocturnal Animals at number nine. Yo, what? And I think it's there only because of the sheer force of Tom Ford's personality. <laughs> Steve, do your Tom Ford impression real quick. It's it's got to be in the moment, man. Like I can't just talk. You know, oh, it's so good, it's so good. Got to be real. It's got to be real. <laughs> but this movie, like it, 
instead of giving like little starving children food, they should just watch Nocturnal Animals <laughs> with no subtitles. Never thought Why I'd is... agree with Steve on, on anything, but on that, I can agree. <laughs> it's a weird movie, dude. It feels really Tom Ford, and like it's actually good, I think. And all the performances are too. great. I love how Amy Adams is just left... Uh, like, she's just straight up... Like, she's just ditched at the end of the movie. Like, her, ho- her hopes are dashed. She's like, perhaps I can have some kind of redemption based on all of the dumb shit that I've done and, uh, and the, for like the, the, the contemporary modern art life bullshit, uh, like elitist life that she ended up choosing Mm -hmm. just like her mom's, her mom's remarks. And it's like, no, you can't have that bitch. Like your house sucks. Like your fucking army hammer, like coat hanger of a lawyer husband is fucking (laughs) too. Like, you deserve all the bad shit that's ever happened to you, and your opinions on art are shit, and Jake Gyllenhaal is a real artist, and you can go fuck yourself. Like, that's why I like this movie. I'm sensing some shade for it from uh, yeah. <laughs> I just love that it played with that. Yeah. Because, like, you do sympathize with her a little bit, but then you're also kind of like, damn, like, you fucked this whole life up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Steve, I fuck that bitch. <laughs> exactly. I liked it for what it was. I I don't think it was trying to be anything else than what it was, and and I, I thought it did the that really not, well. The movie's profound. The movie, <laughs> well, let's not go yeah, overboard. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Nocturnal Animals is super duper profound, <laughs> and I think even Tom Ford might agree with that. Uh, like based on the interview that we heard with him, he was like, "Yeah, it's all pretty obvious, basic shit. I just made it awesome, <laughs> you idiots." Dude, I love that. exactly. I love that that one guy asked. It's like you know, like what is the meaning of Jake Gyllenhaal's death in the movie? And he was just like. Well, I think it just means you killed me. <laughs> you killed me. I think that's what it. Yeah. I, <laughs> you hundred percent exactly. That's exactly. about Tom Ford. Um, I will say uh, one thing that I lo- well, a couple things that I loved. Uh, Michael Shannon is a fucking monster. <laughs> Turns in a monster performance in this movie. Uh, second. That scene uh, where, um, what's his name, Jake Gyllenhaal gets bullied off the road by uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, Mm -hmm. that whole scene, um, I mean, I I felt a lot of, like, palpable fear in that scene, unlike uh, I have felt in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, was living living that moment, uh, unlike really any other movie this year uh that scene was spectacular yeah you yeah, really feel his helplessness yeah, when he's dressed in that scene what'd you say steve oh never mind go ahead <laughs> uh, uh well i just said that uh you really feel like his helplessness and and that like feeling of you know i want to do something but like what what can i do that that yep. tension yeah that's that's, yep. that's really good Cool. Well, I will 
speak to my first, my number one movie of the year. Y'all know about this shit. It's King Kong Skull Island. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's for 2017. My bad, boys. Spoiler. (laughs) Preview of next year's top movies right there. No, you guys probably know what it is at this point. Uh, I put Jackie at my of course. Number one oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad I caught uh, that a couple days ago. <laughs> um, I loved this movie. I just, I think the entire time I watched it, my mouth was like open. Um, I don't, I don't know. I know that my experience here is very subjective, and I, I like can't say that you will all have the same experience I did. Um, for whatever reason, it just like floored me for the entire runtime. Um, it's like this weird, you know, what what ought to be a fairy tale story that turns into a total fucking nightmare in an instant for for her and for the nation. Um, and what what I love about it is um, it is it is big. It is about big things. You know, it is appropriately dramatic for the incredibly serious moments. Um, and the absolute like terror of it, and it it's it suits itself with by by playing with all of these big um, these big emotions and these big actions and you know setting people up against each other and uh, you know being very concerned with the visuals of things and um, it all uh, yeah I, I just loved that the scale of it suited its its subject matter. Um, I also loved uh, about this film that it is it is a biopic theoretically, and I fucking hate biopics. <laughs> I think they're all garbage. Yeah. Um, but this is the the this this does what biopics want to do, which mm-hmm. is to tell you about this person. Uh, but biopics always you know end up just taking you through their life and being like, and then he did this, and here's a pivotal moment, and this is how they broke big and blah 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 and it's all the same shit you're just like going down the railroad tracks of their life and this is just uh this is just a moment in their life but it it shows who they are because it it explores the the pivotal moment in their life and so it reveals you know at at this moment where they are pushed to their limit it it reveals who they are what their fears are their priorities what they're thinking and why um i love that i think it's also great because it isn't interested in in sort of venerating or vilifying the character that it's focused on. It it's really interested in like drawing out uh, what her humanity is and and uh, you know sort of revealing behind you know because she's such a public figure um, and you could make the argument that she's you know a frivolous person or you know just a you know a debutante or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's interested in figuring out. You know who she really was and why and uh, why she acts how she 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 does, um, and so I, I just love that it's it's touching on the artifice of it. It's touching on her vanity. It's touching on her fears. It's touching on you know uh, her thoughts about the legacy of of her husband and of what it means to the nation. It's just it plays with all these things, and each scene is like. A little exploration of one more facet of what, like, what she is like, and it gives her this amazing dimensionality, and you really learn who she is, which is something that biopics never, ever fucking do. And so I think it's probably the best biopic I've ever seen. Um, 
yeah. Um, and and I mean to talk about some other stuff like the set design is phenomenal, the costuming is amazing, the the cinematography is really good too. I think there are these incredible haunting shots um, throughout there. It there's under under everything there is this sense of dread uh, and horror. Um, but it is simultaneously beautiful and gruesome, and you get these amazing like soaring shots of like over the 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 car uh, when he is shot. And I don't know, man. I just really like this movie. <laughs> um, but I understand that it's not on either of your top five lists. Uh, I had a very very singular experience watching this movie that I can't really explain. But that's well, my number one. Like I haven't seen it. Dan, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a, a good movie. I think that you're you're absolutely right in that this is a biopic, but it's sort of a biopic done right. Um, uh, another biopic that I, I thought was really well done was Lincoln. Um, and I think both of them work because mm-hmm. they, like you say, they are, they're not concerned with just like, stopping in at all the important moments in someone's life, like taking them off, you know, like check boxes. They're, uh, they're all about like one particular thing. Like, you know, Lincoln's about the passing of this amendment and, and this is about, you know, the, the aftermath of JFK being shot. Um, but when you have that kind of focus, that's, I, I think that's when, when, uh, biopics, uh, tend to work rather than being, like, overly broad. Um, I guess I didn't like it as much as you did, though Though I thought it was really well done, uh, especially Bobby Kennedy's performance and um, Natalie Portman's. Uh, they were both very good. Uh, but I think uh, one thing that I I wasn't a huge fan of was uh, the framing, um, the interview thing. I, I thought mm-hmm. that it could have completely done away with that, um, actually, mm-hmm. and... It kind of, whenever it went back there, it, it just didn't seem like anything particularly interesting was going on there. Um, hmm. Like her, it seemed to all be about like you know, it, how is she going to let this be published? You know, how much power does she have like over this this interviewer? Uh, like who's really you know interviewing who? Or maybe not hmm. that last one, but it. it uh, None of that seemed particularly germane to anything else, so it, it sort of felt like it halted a little bit when it went back there. But um, mm. the rest of it, uh, yeah, it was fantastic cinema. Um, really, yeah, really riveting. Um, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It stuck with me for, like, weeks. Um, but... And talking about The Witch, uh, so did that, so I probably would have bumped that up higher. Anyways, all great films. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, yeah. I think, we, I think we did it, guys. Um, I think I will say about this, we digressed quite a bit. <laughs> uh, all right, so but you know what? I think cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what, guys? You know, great, great work. Uh, I liked everyone's. Everyone like described their films really, really well. You know? Yeah, I'm glad I was able Smart to stuff. hear about uh, your top five. 
I think we've improved, though. I think we're, like, getting better talking about what we liked about films. Mm-hmm. Noticing, I just, I noticed improvements, I think. Nice. We're getting better. We're almost in the, almost in the big leagues. We're almost ready to actually release a podcast. <laughs> I've got in several more years, we'll be just about there. <laughs> Still got what we should those. do is podcast our talks after movies at TIFF. Is what we should be podcasting, probably. We probably should, yeah. Yeah. So, like... And whatever breakfast we had that day. Yo, breakfast boys! <laughs> Yo. It's sort of Dude, a... Bre- some breakfast right now. That could actually right be now. our thing, like, breakfast and, and film discussions. <laughs> yeah, man. Yo, you guys want to get some breakfast right now? I'm not hungry. <laughs> Yo, dude, I actually am fucking breakfast on camera. Didn't you see that? <laughs> yeah, you fucking made breakfast during our podcast. You yeah, dude. Degenerate God. I'd do it again, too. Terrible. Yeah.